Hello and welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I am here to do another album review, an album that is very special to me. I've listened to it many, many times. It's a very interesting collaboration of some really amazing musicians, and I'm really excited to dig into this with you guys. Now, the band is called The Firm, and the album is called The Firm. It was the first of two albums that they put out, and it did peak in the mid-teens on the Billboard charts, and also their single Radioactive peaked at number one, which is pretty fantastic. And uh, the band was formed with four people. It was Paul Rogers on vocals and guitars, Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin on guitars, Tony Franklin on fretless bass, keyboards and vocals, busy guy that Tony, and Chris Slade on drums and percussion. You may know Chris Slade from Uriah Heep among like a whole list of other bands, ACDC, Tony Bennett. I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't believe the list of bands he has played with, but an amazing bunch of musicians. And of course, Paul Rogers uh, from Free, as well as Bad Company, very successful bands. And of course, you know, how, how successful was Led Zeppelin? So you have a, a good start with some pretty seasoned veterans, some solid musicians that know how to write. They know how to play. They know how to perform. You know, it, it looks kind of like a super group. So uh, they get together and they put this album together and they release it. And it uh, it really is one that just right off the bat I took to. For one, I love the production on this album. I think the sound of it overall is fantastic. I'm going to have to really pay attention. But as far as I know, I really like the mix. I don't think I've ever sat down and actually analyzed the mix itself. But just thinking in terms of whenever I've listened to the album, there's nothing about it that I've gone, wait a minute, that doesn't sound right. But this could be one of those cases of I've heard the album so many times that there's things that I don't notice. So I'm going to be listening a little more specifically for that today in the show. But it's it's a fun album for sure. And there are some additional musicians that played on the album, mostly on the song Closer. And those folks are Steve Dawson, Paul Weimer, Willie Garnett, Dan Weller. They all played on Closer. Steve played the trumpet. Paul was the baritone sax. Willie was the tenor sax. And Don was the sax solo. And off the top of my head, I can't remember any brass instruments in that song. So I'm going to have to pay attention and see if I just didn't notice them or if my memory just isn't working right. Because, you know, that could very well be, as we've all seen on the show. Uh, And then on the song, they did a cover of You've Lost That Love and Feeling by the Righteous Brothers and wrote another song called Midnight, Midnight Moonlight. And on that song, on backing vocals, we have Sam Brown, Helen Chappelle, and Joy Yates. Very talented backup singers, as you'll hear in these songs. Um, But it's just an amazing group of instruments. And for their first album, it feels so cohesive. The sound is good. The songs all flow very nicely. Uh, Cover is always interesting. I don't know what would have inspired them to do that specifically. But, you know, when you're a new band, it's not unheard of to put a cover on your first album because that might help draw some attention to you. In fact, that's the reason a lot of people release cover songs is because while people are searching for their songs, they hope, hey, maybe they'll stumble across my band because we did a cover of that. And then they'll check us out and buy all our records and fall in love with us. And that may be the case. Uh, I, I liked these guys before I, I heard the song on the album anyway, you know, first song in, I'm like, I'm sold. These guys are great. And, um, so they were on that song as the backup singers, very cool stuff. Now there is no official webpage for the band that I could find, but that's not surprising. They only had two albums in the mid eighties. So, um, not an active band. There is another band called the firm, but they seem to be a 60s, 70s and 80s tribute band. 
So if you find a website for the firm, which is a band site, it may be them. So be careful. But in the show notes, I do have links to where you can purchase this album on iTunes as well as Amazon. I'm sure it's on Spotify. I don't have that or any other music services, so I can't verify that. But pretty much everything, as far as I know, is on those sites now. So if you head over there, I'm sure you'll be able to find a copy, stream a copy, buy a copy, download a copy, whatever it is. But, you know, pay tribute to the band, buy the album. So the first song is Closer. And it really kicks the the album off well. And I'm going to play a little snippet for it right now. But I will just say, right from the get-go, the album just felt nice and warm. It felt like the the sounds were really big for the size of the band. I mean, it doesn't really sound like a four-piece at all. And granted, in the studio, you know, you can overdub a lot of things. And then we've got the uh, the horn section. But it really feels like a much bigger band. And I love the sound of it. I love the production. I think the mastering was done very well. And here's a little clip of Closer. Okay, I have to laugh because I listened ahead in the song and I found the the sax solo. I'm like, yeah, of course it's in there. There's a, a change up in the song and that really opens the um, you know the, the sound field up and they put a sax solo in there. I hear some other brass instruments um, playing very uh, tastefully on the chorus. So yeah, it is in there. I've really never picked that out before. So that's uh, that's interesting. I'm glad I looked that up because I've learned something already and we're still in the first song. And that will uh, probably be the end of my learning anything. Not just kidding. You never know. But uh, great song. Love how huge the drum sounds. The, the toms are pretty reverbed out, but they they really have a strong punch to them. And you can really feel the depth in the sound of them. I just love the way that they mix the drums on this album. And of course, the playing um, from Chris, Chris Slade is, is absolutely fantastic and really strong vocal. You know, Paul Rogers is one of those singers that I, I think is a very fantastic singer. But from what I've heard of him, um, he has a somewhat limited range. Like he can't really hit any huge highs. He can't really do any main lows, but that's okay because where he sits naturally, he sounds absolutely fantastic. He's a great singer. But what's interesting is that I know that when Ian Gillen left Deep Purple, Richie Blackmore wanted to get Paul Rogers, and I've never been able to sort of do an audio picture of what that would have sounded like. I, I mean, they would have had to change the set drastically. It would have been very different to hear him sing songs like Highway Star or Strange Kind of Woman. Um, Strange Kind of Woman probably wouldn't have been too bad because it's in that that mid-range. But, you know, certainly the range of Gillen, um, it would have been hard to cover some of those songs. So they would have had to do them very differently. Um, a song like Child in Time would have been out of the question. But I really do like Paul Rogers' voice. He just has a different range than the than the singer he, that they were looking for him to replace. So I, I've always found that decision interesting. And I hope that one day I get to ask Richie about that because I would love to know what, you know, what his vision was for, for Paul Rogers in Deep Purple. Uh, as it turned out, things worked out well for Deep Purple because they got Glenn Hughes and David Coverdale recorded the album Burn. And that's, to me, is one of the greatest rock albums of all time. 
so yeah, so Closer is a really good song. It's got a lot of changes in it. It's got um, a little bit of backwards drums in one section as they come back in for the last verse, which is a repeat of the first verse. But it just, it I really feel a lot of connection with the vocals on this one because He's one of those singers that really knows how to bring you into a story. And I think that was a big part of why this music works for me. Even though I'm not a big vocals guy, for the most part, um, if the story is told in a way that you can't help but to be paying attention to it, and you can't help but to feel what the singer is feeling, then it's it's probably going to be a winner right there. And of course, you know, the stuff that Jimmy Page is playing, I love the riff. I love the sound of his guitar. We have some great bass on this. And the idea of doing an entire album with a fretless bass that's kind of a rock album, I statistically have no idea how many albums have been done like that. I don't, I don't think I can, I couldn't name a single one off the top of my head other than this one. But I do love the bass sound on this album. I, I do love a good fretless bass. And you could hear... Even in the little sample I played, you could hear a little bit of that peeking through and, and being featured. So it sets the, the tone for the album very well. You know, it's, it doesn't have to be a very fast song. It just has to be one that grips you and said, get in, we're going for a ride. And I think that they did that very well on the song. So that was Closer. And then right away, we're kind of dialing it down a little bit with a little bit more bluesy of a song called Make or Break. Got me so I can't tell my left from my right It's getting kinda disconcerting You got me so I can't tell the shade from the light The one thing I know that's for certain Baby, you gotta make your mind up Or you and I This is another song where the the playing on it is so smooth. The feel of it just works so beautifully. If he was playing a little faster or a little slower, it would change it completely. So he's right in that right tempo. And it's uh, another one with the snare just sounds so huge in this song. You know, it uh, it really is a powerful thing, which you wouldn't expect for a bluesy song like this, but it works. You know, the drums are much more dramatic on this song than they are on other songs on the album or typically in music uh, during the the section where they first start. But it's very cool. It's a very well done, uh, great solo, just a, a really good feeling song. And it's all, you know, kind of the we got to make a decision. You know, are we going forward, babe, or are we done? Because if we're done, I don't want to waste any more time. But if we're together, let's let's go forward. And I think it's one of those songs that people can identify whether it's a friendship or, you know, like a family relationship or a romantic relationship, I think that there's a lot of times that we come to those kind of crossroads. And, and this song, I think, really kind of sums it up well and in a beautifully musical way. So uh, that would be another thumbs up for me. I, I'm just going to reach out and say that for the most part, you're going to get a thumbs up for me on every song in this album. Um, they did a great job on You've Lost That Love and Feeling, and we'll get to that. But, you know, I kind of go back and forth with the the need to cover it. I think it, for me, distracts a little bit from the album. And Midnight Moonlight took me a while to get used to. For a long time, I just, you know, I would just skip that song and, and go back to the beginning of the album because it's the last song. But uh, it's grown on me. It definitely has grown on me over the years. So uh, the next song that we're going to check out is called Someone to Love.
Now, this song actually was uh, Make or Break and Someone to Love were actually merged together. So they actually were one continuous song. That's why the beginning of the song sounded just a little bit weird, because that was the last uh, second of Make or Break as it uh, merged into Someone to Love. But the drums sound just huge. I love that. I love those little fretless bass licks. It really kind of confirms why they use the fretless bass on this album and, you know, solid guitar riff again, just flawless playing and uh, and, and a nice strong vocal. Um, just uh, this is actually probably, yeah, I would say this is my favorite song on the album. It's the one that, you know, sometimes if I, well, when I used to sing, if I felt like singing, I would, I would bring this song out because it's just a good, fun song to sing. Um, not so much anymore because I don't really sing anymore, but it's a good one to just kind of, you know, jam along with not again, you know, this is craftsmanship because it's not an upper up tempo song. And yet it's about, you know, joy and love, which a lot of those songs tend to be up tempo. So that's kind of an interesting way of bringing that subject matter about, but I think it's done very, very well. Uh, the song just flows beautifully and it's one that typically, you know, if I listen to it, sometimes I'll just hit, you know, repeat and put that back on again, because it's such a good song. Um, next up, we have uh, another wonderful song. This one is uh, is more of a ballad, and it's called Together. This is the kind of song that I've always felt that Jimmy Page really shines at. You know, there were so many songs in Zeppelin that were, you know, great songs done with acoustic guitar instead of electric. I've never really considered Zeppelin overall to be, you know, a hard rock or heavy metal band. I know they're always put on those lists as one of the best rock bands ever, but I've always considered their music more like this song, where it's more acoustic with a beautiful vocal and some good backing stuff. Yes, they did have some hard rock songs, but overall, this is the kind of stuff I think of when I think of Zeppelin. And Jimmy Page is a master of of this kind of acoustic guitar playing, really just a, a nice, warm bodied feeling of a song. And you really kind of feel like this could be, you know, a plea or it could be, you know, a thank you type song, like I'm glad we're together. And just from this little part, you really can't tell where it's going. But I can say that there are some really nice parts that come up. There's a really interesting percussion uh, area in the song that is a little bit unexpected. And it has some really good things about it. I think that this is another one of those songs that you know, you could just like sit back and and be with somebody and just kind of like, you know, lean on each other and just like feel good and enjoy listening to the song. It just has that sort of um, togetherness. Well, of course, that's the title, but like a camaraderie, a, a cohesive unit for a couple of people. And I think it's just a, a beautiful sentiment. It's a great song, really powerful vocal. Um, I love in the beginning, though, how he's, you know, kind of just mm -hmm, with the song and how well that was blended in. The engineer and mastering engineer did such a great job on this album, uh, making it sound uh, really warm, especially, you know, for an 80s album. But I, I would guarantee that this was recorded on analog tape. 
I'm sure it was because it was 85, I think. So, um, but, but either way, I mean, the, the album just sounds warm and wonderful. And I don't think there's, there's anything I would say would need to be changed as far as the mix goes. I think it's pretty much perfect. There it is, the Billboard number one song, Radioactive, from The Firm. And this is a great song. I mean, it's it's very obvious to me why it got so high in the charts. Of course, you know, getting it out there so people can hear it and purchase it was a big key because things don't get on Billboard unless they're heavy sales. But the fact is, it is a great song. You've got some cool little uh, vocal effects. You've got uh, some really nice, uh, you know, what do you call it? like memorable moments or... Um, uh, I can't think of the word right now, but like little bits of guitar that just kind of stick in your head and and you can't wait to hear them again. You know, you hope that they're going to repeat. Uh, the solo is fantastic in this song. Probably one of my favorites from Jimmy Page. And the song, again, you know, everybody's just right there. And, you know, they've really let on all these songs, they've let little places uh, uh, available for the bass to shine through for that, you know, fretless style to be heard. And the drums are solid. Now, by the time that they get to that first chorus, um, it does seem to speed up slightly. You know, when I compare it to the opening tempo, it does seem to be just slightly faster, probably only by three or four BPM at the most. But I definitely felt a, a difference that I had never noticed before. But I've never really isolated and compared those parts before. And, you know, the thing is, is that's natural. I mean, you know, people are going to speed up and they're going to slow down slightly. There's going to be variances in a song. Most of the time, you're just along for the ride and you don't really notice them unless there's something very apparent, you know, that the the, the tempo is majorly uh, affected at some point. But in general, you know, songs go up and down all the time. They're usually within a couple of BPM. The drummers will speed up a little bit or slow down, or sometimes the band will speed up and the drummer will, you know, just just grab on to that tempo that they're playing at. So there's all kinds of things, but it wasn't enough for them to stop the song and re-record it. But in my ear, it was it was a little bit noticeable. So, uh, but a great song. I, again, I could totally understand why it made it to number one. I love the uh, the hi-hat work on it. I think that's fantastic. I love how punchy the bass drum is that I do love a good punchy bass drum. And uh, we've got that on this album for sure. The snare just it feels like he's playing like a 22 inch snare. It's so it's just got such a body to it, you know, but, um, you know, the type of heads, the tuning, all that stuff really plays into that, how it's EQ'd. But it sounds fantastic. I think the the, the drum mix is is just amazing. So uh, another great song. And our next song up is the cover from the Righteous Brothers, You've Lost That Love and Feeling. You never close your eyes anymore when I kiss your lips. And there's no tenderness like before in your fingertips. You're trying hard not to show it. Baby, but baby, 
Well, you get to hear a little sample of our backing vocal guest folks here on this album, and they really sound good together. I think it's a good cover of the song. It's not one of my favorite songs. It's one of those that I think I've just heard, you know, to to the point of uh, of, of nauseam. But it is a good song, nonetheless. I think probably Top Gun ruined it for me just because it was such a, you know, cliche thing to put in the movie and they did it anyway. And then, yeah, blah. So uh, <laughs> that's just my feeling on it. But it is, I mean, to be quite honest, if you just look at the song itself, it, it is a very, very beautiful song. The real key to what sells me on, on the firm's version of it is the way that they end the song. So I'm actually going to play that for you. And I want you to listen to every single thing. <laughs> <laughs> because there's a lot of good stuff going on. Um, so, you know, rewind it a couple times if you want. But um, yeah, I think it's pretty cool. So here is the ending. I mean, that's just gorgeous, right? The the backing vocals, the lead vocals, the passion that you feel in there, uh, the vocal fade out to end the song. Everything is so amazing. But it starts with that powerful drum roll. And no, I did not splice in into the air to, in the air tonight from Phil Collins. That is what Chris played. Um, but listen to how cool the drums sound there. They just sound so big and powerful. Uh, great sounding toms. And then it just goes into this just beautiful conglomeration of music and passion and, and beautiful vocals. Uh, that's what really sold me on the song. You know, I can, I can sort through the rest of the song and enjoy it because I know that part's coming, even though it's not a song that I would normally say, you know, I really want to hear that song right now. I don't think that's ever happened and probably never will, but it's the reason I don't skip it over, uh, when I'm listening to the album, because I, I think that part is just fantastic. So, um, down to the last three, we are now onto a song called Money Can't Buy. I, I love the guitar on this. You know, it just, it's another song that just flows so nicely. It doesn't have to be aggressive. It doesn't have to be heavy. It just, it, it just flows beautifully. And that's the kind of guitar playing that, like I said, I, when I think about guitar playing like that, the first name that comes to mind is Jimmy Page because he did so much of that in Zeppelin. He is a good hard rock guitarist, as we've heard. But this is, I think, the kind of stuff he really shines at, both as a writer and as a performer. And that's that's just my opinion based on the music of his that I am familiar with. I'm sure he's done tons of stuff I haven't heard. But just from the stuff I know, mostly Zeppelin and uh, the uh, Coverdale Page project, um, I would say that this is really his wheelhouse. You know, and I, I struggle to call this a rock album because 
It's not a heavy album. There's no like driving songs on it. You know, Closer and um, Radioactive are probably about the the most driving and heaviest on the albums. And neither of them are really all that hard rock, you know. So I, I don't know if it would be considered just like rock or light rock or contemporary. Um, but I hate getting into to stuff like that. But it has to be done for categories and for people to find the music that they like and stick with their genres or whatever. But um, it's it's just like, you know, having to have an album cover or having to do videos for songs. There's certain things I just hate about the way we have to represent music to get it noticed, you know. But in any case, it's it's a great album, whatever you want to call it, you know, folk, contemporary, rock, whatever, um, call it whatever you're most comfortable with. But it has a really mellow overtone to it overall, despite the the huge sounding drums and how active the bass is and everything. It's just, you know, most of these songs are just really... Um, you know, they're very creative. They have a lot of parts to it, but they're not heavy songs by any means. Um, and Money Can't Buy is, you know, another one of those songs that I have to say, it just flows beautifully. The writing on it is fantastic. Uh, it's got a good vocal to it. I, I love the vocal rhythm of it. And um, yeah, I, I, I can't say uh, enough good things about it because it really fits into this album well. And I'm glad they wrote it. The next song that we have here is called Satisfaction Guaranteed. That line is uh, sitting in the gutter with my head wrapped in my hands. I've been drinking all night and I just can't stand the pain. You know, that is such an identifiable line for so many people, you know, um, just trying to push the pain away with some kind of thing that will hopefully numb us to the point where we don't care about what's upsetting us. I think most people in one way or another, whether it's alcohol or drugs or food or you know, uh, just just being comforted with, a, you know, a friend, whatever it is. I think we've all had those times. And that's a very identifiable line, I think. But the song is great. It's very emotional. Um, it, it's kind of, a, it has a sense of optimism, just like, tell me what you need. And I really like that. I think it's a great vocal. I think it's sung with such passion. And, you know, that's, again, what makes Paul Rogers such a great singer. He has a good voice. Don't get me wrong. I, I really do like the sound of his voice, but he knows how to sing with passion. He knows how to really bring you into a song. And, you know, on the um, on the Uriah Heat podcast that I do, I talk about David Byron like that and, and also John Lawton, how both of them very much know how to draw the listener into the story and make them a part of it. You can get up there and you can sing the words or you can get up there and you can tell the story. And they both know how to tell a story. Very fantastic. And obviously, Paul Rogers is one of those people. But we've got a great bass line. I love the drums on this song. Um, I love just that that one crash cymbal that we hear in the beginning. 
and you really get to hear you know it, it uh, reverberate out and decay in in uh, the sound of it. Just fantastic. I, I, I another song I just can't say enough good things about. And that brings us to the final track, Midnight Moonlight. Now, Midnight Moonlight is a little bit different. Um, it feels a little more experimental to me. It's a song the likes of a band, I think, King, King, King Crimson, King, King, Crim, King Crimson. Obviously, this chi, this chai tea is not helping today. King Crimson would have done. And I think of the song uh, Moonchild, which I felt very much the same way about in the beginning. I, I was like, I don't care about this song and I would always skip it. And it was the same thing with this one. I would just skip the song and go back to Closer or put on another album. But I will say that this song has grown on me over the years. And again, what sells this one for me is the backing vocals. So I'm going to play you the beginning of it. And then um, I'm going to come back and talk. And then we'll, we'll show you that section, too, of why I love this song so much. Now, there are a lot of parts to this song. I don't want to mislead you and make you think that the whole thing is is just that, because there's actually a lot of different parts it goes to. But there's plenty of times it just goes back into that very, very mellow uh, guitar and, uh, you know, no drums, no dynamics or anything, just the guitar and maybe a little bit of vocal here and there. But the song is over nine minutes long. So it's I think that was part of the turnoff for me, too, is that if you're going to play me a nine minute song, you got to keep my attention. And there's so many times where the song just kind of just loses me. But here's where I'm sold on the song. This is uh, in the middle section somewhere. And this is my favorite part. So you can kind of see where that's going. And those are there's like little bursts, parts like that, where they just come in out of, you know, what you heard at the beginning, which is just the, you know, the guitar playing, doing what he's doing. And then all of a sudden, there's just this explosion of music again. And that part in particular is the part that really sold me on the song. But I love the backing vocals. I love what they chose for this. It almost feels more like vocals from the 60s. But I also love that the way that he sang and the way that they were singing were different when they were singing the same words. Like the way he says wilderness was completely different from the way they were saying it. And that gave it a little bit of distance and separated the lead vocal as well. But uh, I just thought it sounded really cool. You know, the way that they're singing it two different ways really just gripped me. And, you know, a lot of times, guys, it's not the intense parts that we write. It's not the intricate things. It's not the planned stuff. A lot of times it's just those moments that sometimes they just happen. And I don't know, maybe this was planned. Maybe it just happened and they were like, hey, that's good. Let's do that. 
uh, I, I have no idea. But what I can, what I am telling you is that a lot of times, you know, sometimes things just work. Sometimes they just happen. And the more that you try to plan and don't allow room for that spontaneity, a lot of times you're going to miss out on some of the best things that, that we can write. So very, very cool stuff. Um, great album. Absolutely loved it. One of my favorites. I highly recommend going and checking out the whole album. Like I said, the links to Amazon and iTunes are in the show notes. You can go get it there. Or if you really feel like it goes stream it on a streaming service. But I would highly recommend going and getting the album. I think it's one that you're going to listen to many times. And, you know, it's going to help the band out. So I, I don't know. It, it will. <laughs> so that's our show for this week, guys. I have... Okay. So, oh, you know what I didn't do? I didn't talk about the cover. I don't really like this cover. It's basically just, um, you know, just their name stretched out in a 3D universe. Um, Nothing particularly special. In fact, I think the original album was just black. Was it just black and white? I can't remember now. It seems to me I had a copy of it that was just black and white lettering. But then when I've looked at the logo with the, the, the depth to it, it seems like that was right. So I honestly don't remember what album I had. Maybe it is one of uh, the examples of the Mandela effect. You know, I don't know. Maybe the the album cover that I saw today that I pulled to uh, post with the show, maybe that was a re-release. I don't know. I didn't actually see anything about any re-releases or bonus tracks or anything. It looks like they just kind of did what they did and that was it. But it's a shame that they only did a couple of albums because I think they were a great band. Um, they really created something to me that was very special on this album. And, you know, a lot of times when you come out of the gate with an album that has a number one hit, the album itself charts very high. It, you know, you can feel everything can change. You can feel so much pressure from a record company or from the, you know, just the public popularity that you really have to come up with something to top it. And then you try too hard and you're not writing as well because you're trying too hard. And then the second album isn't as good. And that kind of stuff happens. I mean, obviously, we're talking about a lot of seasoned veterans in this band, so it's not like they were newbies, but there could be a lot of pressure. You know, they wrote one album together and it was a piece of magic, but that doesn't mean they can do it again. Uh, It does mean that they could potentially do it again. So in any case, uh, they did what they did. Two albums out, no deluxe editions or bonus tracks that I can find, but it's a great album. Go check it out. Um, If you like the little samples that I heard, you'll probably like the whole songs. There are a lot of changes in the songs that I didn't touch on, but every song for the most part has, um, you know, other things in there that you wouldn't necessarily expect, or maybe you would expect, but they're in there. Anyway, they're not just straightforward songs. There's, there's changes, there's different things in there. Lots of stuff to enjoy for sure. But I just want to say thanks, guys. I do have um, a couple of very special episodes coming up. I've been wanting to do them for a while. And I'm just now at the point where I can do them. Long story, I'll explain that in the in the first episode. But I'm looking forward. So stay tuned next week for that and go enjoy The Firm by The Firm. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>